On the Record with Gavin Riley. Brought to you by PwC on News Talk. Now, this year marks the 40th anniversary of the election of Gerry Adams, someone that we were talking about as a prospective presidential candidate uh, earlier in the programme, uh, as the MP for West Belfast for the first time, a seat that he would hold between 1983 and 1992, and then again from 1997 until 2011 when he switched to the House of Commons for Dáil Éireann. But decades earlier, uh, that seat as being the MP for West Belfast was held by a man who seemed truly unshakable, a man by the name of Wee Joe Devlin, uh, one of the most influential Irish politicians of his day, even if his name is not as widely remembered these days as it was at the time. Uh, even the rise of the first Sinn Féin in 1918 couldn't topple him. Uh, his followers ran Sinn Féin from the Falls Road, which is quite the image when you think about how things subsequently went. Uh, tomorrow is the 13th of February. It's the birthday of the man who seemed destined for great things and perhaps would have been destined for great things were it not for the political winds blowing in a different direction. And that's Donald Fallon having a little giggle there, the idea of Sinn Féin being run out of the Falls Road. Um, Donald, the election of Gerry Adams, um, it was at the time an enormous international media story, but Adams himself at the time seemed a little obsessed with one smaller detail. Yeah, when Gerry won the, the West Belfast seat in 1983, the, it was reported in the press that amongst the first words to the followers in the press on the Falls Road were... Even de Valera couldn't win the false. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> and in that, you know, he was correct uh, in 1918, the Longfellow, who mm. was probably the most famous Irishman in the world, you know, in, in yeah. 1918. We think about Collins as someone who's in the shadows and in the business of revolution. Mm. De Valera, who's the, the public face of a movement. De Valera was absolutely trounced uh, on the Falls Road. Okay, because this is back in the time when you when it was more commonplace to run in more more than one constituency at a time. Yeah, so Dev is elected in other constituencies, but he's, he's certainly not elected in West Belfast. He gets <laughs> 3,245 votes. And the guy we're talking about today, Joseph Devlin, or we Joe Devlin, 8,488. Wow. I mean, that is pretty decisive. I'm sure mm, you'll agree. Yeah. And it wasn't just Jerry who, who knew this and who spoke about it. You know, Eamon McCann, writes of it in his classic uh, memoir War in an Irish Town you know there was a time when the Falls Road was home rule country yeah. and to me oh, wow. that's just one of those fascinating little little side you know hustles of Irish yeah, yeah. history but had this course you know had the course of Irish history been slightly different and we're talking slightly different Joe Devlin would have been an instantly recognisable name to listeners ears and perhaps we would never have heard of Eamon de Valera or, or, or Jerry Adams so mm. you know with the fall of the home rule dream fell many political careers and ambitions. And this guy we're talking about today, you know, he's one of the more interesting people, I suppose, whose political career uh, in some ways collapses after yeah. the fall of the, the home rule vision. Um, the story of Joe Devlin begins in a pub. Um, now, I, I could say the fairly open-endedly about a lot of Irish political stories, uh, but it's, 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 not just, it's not just any pub, though, because the pub in which the story of Joe Devlin begins is one of Belfast's most beloved pubs. Yeah, some political, career, some political careers end in the pub, but for, you know, for, yes, Joe, yeah. for Joe Devlin, his, his working life it's, begins in It's funny in the that they all house. end in failure and they almost all end in pubs as well. Yeah. <laughs> He's born on the 13th of February, 1871, so that's tomorrow. Uh, a very working class. You know, he's the son of a Jarvie and a grocer. He leaves school young and he starts working in a pub, a very, very famous pub. I mean, anyone who spent a day in Belfast has probably been uh, in Kelly Cellars. It's a really spectacular pub. It's an 18th century pub. I mean, the United Irishman uh, used to meet and drink in it. Okay. And the fact that Joe Devlin starts his working life as basically a lounge boy and a, and, a, and a drinks cleaner in this pub is sometimes held against him by political opponents. You know, decades later, they still call him the Belfast bottle washer in the okay. House of Commons. <laughs> that extraordinary. Mm. So there is that idea in political circles that politics is to preserve of the very wealthy. Mm. Uh, maybe if you're a publican, you can come in and play our game, but certainly if you're not a pub worker. So this is very, very humble beginnings in a public house. Uh, but he emerges, I suppose, onto the, the West Belfast political scene because he might be a bottle washer, but he's a brilliant, brilliant orator. And mm. as an interesting little aside, going back to the beginning, uh, Jerry Adams, in a time before he was an MP, 
worked in an equally iconic Belfast pub, which is the, the Duke of York, which was always popular really? uh, with politicians and journalists and, and the like. So both of these West Belfast MPs began their working lives in, in, in city centre boozers. I like the idea that before he was the steward of the banner of the Manor of North Steed or whatever it was that Jerry Adams worked for the Duke of York <laughs> sort of. Um, we Joe uh, arrives then at a strange time because um, at the time that he's emerging into political prominence uh, and you mentioned that his, his home rule dream there isn't really to a degree one home rule movement at the time. Yeah, and we've, look, we've looked at that on the slot. You know, the home rule movement is ripped apart by the, the scandal of the love life of its leader Charles Stuart Parnell. I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and by, Kitty O'Shea and by today's she was, standards. she was a Kitty or not. Yeah. yeah, It's a non-story by today's standards. You know, Parnell says I'm the master of the party and someone shouts back who's the mistress of the party and the thing comes <laughs> falling apart. They were but very for, witty in the 1890s to be fair. <laughs> I've always been proud of the fact uh, as was James Joyce that Dublin remained steadfast loyal to Parnell. So we weren't shocked by an extramarital affair. <laughs> we didn't care about it on the streets of Dublin. Everyone from the Archbishop to the newspaper editor said, bring down Parnell and, and the Dubs didn't mm. listen. But in, in Ulster, where I suppose religion was a much realer part of people's lives, yeah, you know, yeah. sectarian tension, it meant the church had greater influence uh, and they turned really decisively against Parnell and this, this young uh, would-be politician Joe Devlin, bottle washer no more, you know, emerges within the, the anti-Parnell home rule movement mm. in Belfast as a very, very important young man. It's a city where you have to be tough you know, to speak in front of a political demonstration mm. and he's just the kind of material uh, that you want. Now, it seems unimaginable these days, uh, but the parliaments of the, the 19th and early 20th centuries were very different beasts to what we have right now. And Joe Devlin manages to make his way into the House of Commons without a single vote being cast for him. Yeah to represent a part of the country he'd never been in and knew nothing about. It's extraordinary. I mean, he's a member of parliament from 1902. Uh, the West Belfast man first elected unopposed as Irish Parliamentary Party MP for Kilkenny North. So <laughs> I mean, one of the things that's so amazing about the fall of the Home Rule movement when, when they're eventually swept aside by Sinn Féin is that yeah. for a lot of them that was the first time they had to stand in an election. They never, yeah. they never had to do this yeah. before. People just decided you were the local Home Rule MP. Uh, yeah. and, it, and like, that it was, was the, the safest of safe seats. If you're going yeah. to elect someone from the IPP, right? the, the, the IPP will find somebody to represent you and that's that. That's it. Yeah. And, and the home rule machine was powerful enough that so many seats were uncontested. So yeah, MPs walked into Westminster representing constituencies they probably only stepped foot in a handful of times before the election. But in Belfast, what's more important, I mean, he might be the MP for Kilkenny North, but in Belfast, that's where his machine is and he is the leading light of what's called the Ancient Order of Hibernians, uh-huh. the right. AOH, mm. Grandmaster. From 1904. Yeah. So, the, the people yeah. who still, the, the people might know them, they've been mentioned in the news more recently as being involved in the New York St. Patrick's Day Parade, for example. Yeah, and you know, lo- younger listeners may have never heard of the AOH. It still exists. Uh, ancient Order of Hibernians, Catholic fraternal organisation, born in the early 19th century. And if you wanted to be a member, you had to be a couple of things. A man, mm. Catholic, mm. and either born in Ireland or of Irish descent. They were sashes. They paraded around on big anniversary days. They marched in bands. They banged drums. If this sounds a little bit it, familiar, it does, doesn't it? Just yeah, <laughs> it probably should, because you know it's a little bit crude. But you could say this is the this is the Green Order, you know, to the to the Orange Order. Yes, yeah. And Devlin is a, a young MP in the Home Rule movement. He'd been in America. He'd seen how big all of this was over there, and he wants it at home. So he becomes, you know, the the key force, if you will, in the AOH, and it grows to over 10,000 members uh, in his time. Uh, now, this being, uh, of course, at, at a time before there was full republicanism as we know it, and when home rule was still going from strength to strength, the AOH, I imagine, were, were probably very 
uh, fearsome at the time that they were a body you didn't want to get in the wrong side of and they probably weren't afraid of a little bit of intimidation no, or underhand it, tactics they call it Hibernianism and Hibernianism is a powerful <laughs> it's a powerful thing and like the Republicans don't really know what to make of it you know because some of the Republicans like the Fidians are very secular and they, they, they're not really into this Hibernianism stuff mm. but they clash with people they don't get on with so you know in Dublin there's a confrontation between the AOH and the suffragettes and on one occasion Francis Sheehy Skeffington is a very public you know, supporter of the suffrage movement mm. uh, when there's a bit of fighting in the crowd he begins an address ladies, gentlemen and the members of the ancient order of hooligans <laughs> that, of hooligans that goes down as oh, well as you'd expect right. and, and there's a bit of a digging match but one thing that they're very good at in Belfast Sorry, the AOH dig, digging match <laughs> yeah. that is a lovely turn of phrase yeah, you don't hear digging match <laughs> no, up anymore no uh, one thing they're really good at you know that old tongue-in-cheek phrase we hear all the time in Irish politics vote early, vote often yes I and mean, Brian Feeney's written about this this is just amazing this paragraph in the 1906 general election Devlin won West Belfast by a mere 16 votes over the Unionist candidate with the help of carefully organised personation carried out by AOH members who thereby began a tradition in Belfast of maximising the Catholic working class vote of the city. Personation, which requires meticulous organisation, involved men voting in other men's names, Mm. including some who had died but were still on the voting register. (laughs) There was a suspiciously high 95% turnout (laughs) in West Belfast in 1906, which is extraordinary. So Devlin is the master of vote early, vote I mean, look, it's a way of overcoming voter apathy I suppose in a way that if you reckon these lads would probably prefer your candidacy to that of someone else then just take take the effort out of their hands yeah. and go up and vote on their behalf but, The healthiest um, cemetery in Ireland you know? <laughs> <laughs> um, When World War I comes along then um, Devlin encourages men to fight in it he, he takes that view of, of this being a path towards Irish nationhood and he, he takes the same view as his party leader Yeah that's the home rule line isn't it and he really believes it. I mean he once shares a platform with Winston Churchill who's a kind of late day convert uh, to the idea of, of, of home rule right before the crisis Mm. And with Redmond, yeah, he tells people, look, you know, the, it's right to fight in this war. The quicker the war is over, the quicker Ireland gets home rule. That's the logic. Mm. Uh, and I mean, because he's a brilliant orator, he, the, the city's working class respect him because he's one of their own. Uh, he speaks of this being something that we have to do. We have to go and take our place in it. He says, you know, he's in sympathy with the overwhelming majority of the Irish people, the obligation of supporting the cause of justice and freedom as represented by the Allies against a brute force, materialism and tyranny for which Germany stands in this conflict. Mm. And James Connolly takes a beautiful pot shot at him. He says, Belfast opponents of Joe Devlin usually refer to him as the wee bottle washer, mm. alluding to his position before he climbed into power. But the sarcasm is pointless, Connolly writes. A bottle washer was an honest occupation, but a recruiting sergeant luring to their death the men who trust him and voted him into power isn't you know yeah. sharp sharp words yeah. but within two years of writing that you know Connolly is, is lying in a yeah. quick lime in a quick lime grave uh, and, and it's worth remembering of course in the context of all of that that the home rule had been legislated for but was only put into abeyance because of the outbreak of the war so the idea was right let's make this a, a short sharp exactly. war let's go back this. to normality and then, then our hurdle is cleared um, and then of course in the meantime you have 1916 happens and then you have the martyrs and this kind of lionising people towards republicanism the war ends and there's an election in December 1918 and as people will remember um, most of the Irish seats are won by Sinn Féin abstentions yeah. MPs who then meet up in Dublin to, to found the first doll instead and yet the, the home rulers are really now in terminal decline yeah. Sinn Féin are on the up and yet somehow in the Falls Road in 1918 Sinn Féin <laughs> lose to a home rule bananas isn't it yeah. like in the constituency that we're currently sitting in which was St. Patrick's the home rule MPs defeat us 
uh, by Constance Markovic. And this kind of happens across across the island that they, they, these elderly men who've never had to fight an election in their lives are defeated by these kind of young upstarts as they see them. Mm. But on the Falls Road, there's mayhem, canvassing's a nightmare. I mean, one Sinn Féin canvasser, he later says, I shall never forget that wild, yelling, maddened Hibernian mob that pelted us for two hours with sticks, stones, rivets, rotten eggs, dead cats and rats, only for a strong draft of Irish volunteers. And later, some help from the RIC. <laughs> wow, I doubt unlikely any, bedfellows. I doubt if any of us would have survived intact. Another guy who canvassed talked about, you know, at one of the meetings in King Street, Belfast, I was struck on the head by a brick and rendered unconscious. So this youthful wave behind Sinn Féin, it wasn't really there on the falls. Joe Devlin won the day. And when you look at the whole picture, you look at a map of Ireland in 1918. I mean, one police report, it's a brilliant way of putting it. The, the police described it as the triumph of the young over the old. That's yeah. exactly what happened in mm. Ireland in 1918. But yeah, not in the false road. Not mm. in the false road, to say the least. Um, after a partition then, uh, and this is kind of where the political career sort of comes into decline because Joe Devon then finds himself on, on the wrong side of the border. So yeah. he's, he's away from most of the prospective target market. Uh, and he just ends up not being heard quite so loudly then. So strange. I mean, everyone in Dublin would have known Joe Devlin's name in 1940 and 1950 and 1960. Who knew him in the 20s? You know, nobody. He's just one of those people that fades into a kind of obscurity. Mm. Like leader of the Nationalist Party Stormont. Stormont is designed in such a way yeah, that it so, has a powerless opposition. You might as well not be there. And people are writing to him, encouraging him maybe to come down to the doll, to take yeah. a pot of the doll. Come back for uh, Kilkenny North. Be yeah. Great. yeah. And that still happens. You know, yeah. occasionally northern politicians do their time in the, in the Shannon and the like. Mm. But he says, if I do that, the people of Belfast who've stood by me loyally for the past 30 years and are undergoing the tortures of the damned will, I fear, think I'm taking this opportunity of slipping out of a difficult position. So mm. he remains there Dies in 1934. They bury him in Milltown Cemetery. And even when you're there, he's yesterday's man. And so, Look, everyone in the cemetery is yesterday's man. But well, when, you, yeah. when you walk around Milltown Cemetery, I mean, it's synonymous with Irish republicanism. Mm. I mean, the, some of the 1981 hunger strikers are there. Even Republicans from the Civil War, Joe McKelvey, who was shot in Mount Joy, is there. And then there's Wee Joe, you know, a reminder of this different tradition. So the home ruler mm. amidst the separatists, if you will. And a reminder, I suppose... What could have been? You know, yeah. had, had no one fired a shot in the post office in Dublin, how, how different the course of Irish history could have been. Yeah, and a reminder of the time when Sinn Féin weren't able to hold uh, quite the grip over the, the voters of the Falls Road in the way that they currently do and the sympathies that they enjoy there. There, Fascinating stuff as ever uh, from Donald Fallon, who is the author of uh, Three Castles Burning, A History of Dublin City in 12 Streets. He's also the, uh, the presenter of the podcast of the same name, Three Castles Burning, about the history of Dublin, which is available wherever you get your audio online. On the record with Gavin Riley. Sunday morning at 11. Brought to you by PwC. Great minds think unalike. Different skill sets, diverse opinions, it all adds up to the new equation. On News Talk.